All right, you're back in the DFSR on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. And we are here a day early on the game-by-game -game breakdown. I, I'm traveling, so I'm just going to be out of pocket for the next two days. So we usually do a cash game podcast first and kind of kick things off for the week and then get into the game-by-game -game on Thursday. We're going to do it all here on Wednesday. We'll talk about cash game picks. We'll talk about week 12 plays and injury news that we know about right now. I think a lot of stuff is actually known, but there's a this actually probably going to end up being a longer podcast because we're going to talk, I think, extensively about some of the cash game plays that we um, that we kind of like skip over during the game by game. Do we want to talk about Brian Hill to just get it out of the way, guys like this? Brian Hill, went mm -hmm. to tw Brian Hill went to Twitter and said he didn't care about his fantasy owners. I don't know why guys do that. Like I just, It's always a weird thing to me. The guy was like a nobody two days ago. From when it came well, to you know why, right? Because precisely because he was a nobody two days ago. So let me see how many Twitter followers Brian Hill has. I'm guessing he's easy to live five. So Brian Hill has fewer Twitter followers than we do. So... You like think about how our notifications look when like one person reaches yeah. out and it's like causing a big scene and it like kind of ruins your day, right? Um, Brian Hill, how how many tweets do you think Brian Hill got yesterday after every single after like forty percent of the people in the DraftKings uh, big double ups and the FanDuel big double ups played him? I bet his tweets spiked a little bit and I bet they were pretty unpleasant, and so he just felt the need to apologize. Uh, well, no. I, well, he said he, he he said he didn't apologize. He said he didn't care about his his, his followers. That's no. I'm I, saying the opposite. I, like he felt oh, the need to address it. That's what gotcha, he was gotcha, to say. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I just man, better left unsaid. Just go play football. Don't be mad. Don't be mad at the thing that like makes people interested in football. Uh, just from the start. And although, if you're the person that tweets at the athlete that they stunk, then you have your own kind of mental issues too. So that's don't be another one too. Don't, yeah, don't, I, I see that every. You're you're the person that ruins this for everyone, right? Like, there is a world where we could all be like interacting with these people and like hearing thoughtful things and there's a reason why no one can read the YouTube comments and no one can read their Twitter replies and it's because of you complete idiot out there who's saying mean things to people on the internet anonymously so thanks a lot yeah okay so there we go got it off all off my chest anyway that kind of this is a, it was a weird week we needed uh, for our cash games we just needed Mohammed Sanu to essentially show up uh, on Sunday and he just couldn't it was Tom Brady decided that this was the day that was like the rec league where everyone was going to get their turn touching the ball and they the that's kind of the Patriots ran their offense which was um, hey, let's just all the, all the parents of all the wide receivers like Gunnar Orlowski and these guys called and said, hey, you know, Jacoby hasn't touched the ball yet. And then said, OK, Tom, you know what to do. Get him the pass. They paid their rec fees. They need to make sure they touch the ball at least once. So that was uh, that was the Patriots situation. OK, let's get into week 12. Like I said, we'll talk. We'll, we'll spend a little more time in this podcast talking through some of the cash game plays. There are still some teams on buys and we're just going to cover the main slate here. I do have some interesting thoughts, but I think we're going to end up talking about the Browns a lot. I can't believe it. But we start off with the Bucks and the Falcons. Falcons defense all of a sudden over the last couple weeks out of the bye looked competent. I like they made Kyle, they, they tortured Kyle Allen. They beat the Saints two weeks ago. Are the Falcons now they're four point home favorites against the Bucks? What do we make here of the Falcons? We've been wanting to target passing games against them for kind of the whole season, rightfully so. This game's in a dome. I wrote up Jameis. Um, I can get into the case why. Uh, but what are your thoughts here on this game? Do we need to reevaluate the Falcons' defense? And what do we do with the, the aforementioned Brian Hill and guys like this? I feel like this is a game that is probably going to have a lot of exposure for when it comes to DFS. Yeah, the question I would be asking myself is, has something fundamentally changed in Atlanta? Because even after a couple of a good couple of weeks, they are still dead last in past DVOA allowed over the season at 47.1%, which is outrageous. That's, you know, it's them in Cincinnati, and then they're each about 10% worse than Miami. So that's, a, that's a, an incredible accomplishment to be that bad against the pass uh, this many games into the season. And obviously it's always tempting to sort of have that, uh, you know, recency bias where you're like, hey, but the last couple of weeks they've looked pretty good. I don't want to give them too many bonus points for beating up on Kyle Allen. Like, I know Kyle Allen's had a, a moment here and there, but Generally speaking, destroying a rookie quarterback is just nothing to write home about. I will say that the Saints thing, you know, they can get a little feather in their cap for that one. Uh, I think that was a real win, but I think you're more looking like one good game out of them rather than a host of them. And, you know, it's football. Weird things happen. Uh, although certainly a good game at New Orleans is worth considering. So for all those reasons, I, I think you can 
I think you can absolutely target the Tampa Bay passing game. I don't know if you need to in cash games. Like, I get where people would want to play Winston and Evans and so on. Right now, none of those guys are showing up in our cash game lineups, and we're not going out of our way to manually adjust the Falcons after a couple of good weeks either. So given that we're not manually adjusting anything and they're still not showing up, I would guess that for us, they're just going to be on the outside looking in when it comes to cash this week. All right, let's talk on the Atlanta side. Uh, Calvin Ridley was a guy we wanted to play in cash last week. Uh, he definitely got there, went eight for 143 and a touch. Yeah. Uh, he converted all eight of his targets into receptions. So he still split targets with Julio Jones, eight and eight each. They ended up ha- being able to run the ball a lot. Now, now uh, the eight and eight doesn't sound that good, but that made up for well more than 50% of the Atlanta Falcons passing a target share because they only threw the ball 31 times last week. So uh, if you think that there's going to be an increase in uh, overall pass attempts, and for Matt Ryan this year, he's been throwing, I think, close to 40 pass attempts per game. I think you can, it, it very much looks like these two, you know, with Mohamed Sunu gone and Austin Hooper was out last week, these two were clearly the top two targeted guys, and it wasn't all that close. Uh, thoughts on going back to a guy like Ridley? The price didn't really climb all that much. Eight, eight I don't want to call eight the floor, but this, I do feel like, you know, most games, the Falcons are going to end up passing a lot more than they did this game. Do we think we end up going back to Ridley for cash here? I certainly think we can consider it. I think Austin Hooper's status certainly matters here. Uh, the word on him right now is that he could return to practice this week. Uh, we haven't seen it yet. You know, we're recording this podcast a day early, unfortunately. But the thing about Ridley, though, I, I don't know if you can just go out there and call eight the floor after he gets the max of eight after. You know, I, I get that it was more than 25% of his team's targets, and that's certainly a, a really reassuring sign. Uh, actually, target percentage is one of those stats I tend to look at the most. But with eight being the peak over the last five weeks, um, I think Hooper's status certainly matters there. I get that Sunu left, and there's, you know, with Sunu and Hooper out, uh, there's context for him doing a little bit more. He also happened to do a lot more on a per-reception basis in this game than he's accustomed to. And I think, you know, I would be cautious about assuming that he'll just keep doing that you know guys don't tend to start just catching more yards per reception unless again there's a fundamental change to the offense itself so uh, given that he caught three balls for 28 yards the previous week I think probably people are going to be more bullish on Ridley than I am Uh, certainly I I was very pleasantly surprised by last week but I would have called last week his upside uh, rather than his floor yeah, uh, right now he's showing up at 40% of our cash game lineups. He's not a must for me by any means, uh, but he's going to be in the conversation when it comes to Sunday. Brian Hill did touch the ball 15 times, was terrible. 30 yards, got stuffed at the goal line uh, once, and then Quadri Allison ended up getting that goal line carry. Still, they've got 18 touches altogether, and he is only 5,500. Uh, thoughts on possibly going back that route, or just look, didn't look good enough, and you don't like the way he interacted with people on Twitter? <laughs> He's just bad. He's just not a good running back. So maybe he should care about that instead of responding to his Twitter replies. Listen, I root for these guys that are like the late round picks or finally getting their shot. I can only imagine what it's like, like how much pressure that is. And I'm sure he's sitting there being like, okay, three yards to carry against the Saints, two yards to carry against Carolina. Like he's got to be sweating that. That, That's what he cares about if he's caring about anything here. So I just don't think he's an NFL quality running back or it's not an NFL quality running game that he's walking into. And for that reason, I mean, 5500 it's a relatively attractive price point. I get, it's something, like, I guess I could consider, but I'm in no way excited about it, especially since Tampa Bay, you know, for all their defensive woes on the passing, it has been uh, much better against the run this year. Yes, so, I said it right uh, before we started, like, last week, I said Brian Hill is the chalk guy that I just don't want to play. I knew, like, I yeah. felt it going into last week. I just didn't want to do it. I understood why we did it, and in the yep, end... Yep, you stuck with that the whole way, right up until lock. Yeah, <laughs> you uh, were trying to find ways to get him out. And it just I really work. was. I mean, now, thankfully, none of the guys that I wanted to play, uh, Devin Singletary, Miles Sanders, were all that good either, so um, it didn't really... It wasn't It wasn't soul-crushing, but... All right, uh, real quick, Tampa Bay side. Cameron Brake got a million targets last week. O.J. Howard got benched. Uh, late, no, excuse me, got Levenge very early. He dropped the pass, and it, it, was, it wasn't even a drop. He 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 fumbled it. He kind of caught it behind his back and then fumbled it, and that was the end of him. Brait was just easily the tight end one in this offense. He got a million targets in this game, I think 14 targets altogether. Any reason, do you think, to bump his target share up a little bit? Mostly because it's, a, 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 once again, a very weak, just it's always weak tight end position. We're going to move on from this game in a second. This one, this game does have like sort of an outsized amount of uh, plays as compared to some of the other as some of the sure, other games. Sure. But um, thoughts on Brait uh, real quick, and then Ronald Jones is kind of creeping around here. Any more thoughts on uh, Tampa Bay? I'm going to make a quick case for Jameis, and then we'll move on. Yeah, I mean, we, we discussed Jameis earlier, but if you have a, a new case as well, that's fine. Um, Brait, 
I think it's fine. Yeah, he's going to definitely enter that group of playable tight ends. Uh, I think, you know, since we didn't do a cash game podcast this week, it's probably good to discuss the pros and cons of various plays. I suspect most people will land on Zach Ertz for cash this week uh, because he's on back-to-back 11 target weeks against pretty tough matchups in Chicago and New England. So um, getting him, Seattle's not a great matchup by any means, but it's better than those two matchups. So I think most people will land there. Uh, But yeah, Braid's cheap. Anytime a tight end gets double-digit targets, you have to take notice. And when he turns 14 targets into 10 catches, like that's a pretty good situation to pick up on. So yeah, I I could absolutely see playing him. Uh, Ronald Jones, he he just seems terrible to me. I don't know why. I don't. I guess I don't know what I would feel like. I was getting away with getting taking a guy who just came off a four carry, four target week uh, at six thousand. That's just like I'd certainly much rather play Brian Hill than Ronald Jones. Uh, yeah, no, we didn't talk about Jameis. I we nodded to him really quick. I will say that the case I wrote up for Jameis was I wrote up Russell Wilson first as like the easy go far and away uh, cash game play. So I just want to get that out of the way first. We'll get to that game later. The case for Jameis in cash is that it's just a volume thing. They're always losing every game. The guy, even when he stinks, just throws for over 300 yards. He threw for 300 yards uh, his last five games in a row and seven of the last eight games. So they just, now sometimes he has a four interception and five interception game thrown in there. I would not suggest, why, I said it in the article, don't watch him play. Uh, that's a disaster. But uh, he does, he, he can make it up on volume just because Tampa Bay is playing from behind, sometimes because of him. And he was a tier below Russell Wilson when it came to cash for me. All right, let's keep moving. Russell Wilson, Seattle goes in and plays the Eagles. He was off, He's coming off a bye. They are underdogs and going across the country to face an Eagle team that just played New England pretty tough. They ended up getting the loss, but the 17-10 loss. Our system has Wilson as almost 100% across the board cash game play here. I have one more quarterback I'm going to make the case for. But what are your thoughts here? The, the total's not all that high. They are going to get Tyler Lockett back. Uh, Lockett had gone to the ER with like a leg issue um, the other, two weeks ago, but it looks like he's going to play. They have Josh Gordon there now, and obviously DK Metcalf has turned some stuff, uh, has been able to, to look decent. There are, but they're underdogs here, and the total is not that high. How do you feel about Wilson going into this? He's really the only um, quarterback among the best points per uh, excuse me points per game DraftKings guys that's playing on the main slate like Mahomes and Lamar. Yeah, that was the my major response to seeing Wilson at the top of our cash game article was first I was like oh Wilson against Philly and then I looked just to see what the alternatives were because I don't want to be like you know some lovable chatters that we have in our members only chat room who will come in and criticize a play before uh, thinking about who the alternatives might be and then I saw. Breeze, uh, more expensive against Carolina. No way. Breeze scored eight fewer fantasy points a game than Wilson this season. That's a pass. Uh, Dak Prescott. I was like, ooh, Dak Prescott. He's just as good as Wilson. He's going up against New England. No way. Um, and then you're down. And so, and those are really the guys. But basically, Wilson and Dak are in their own tier in terms of fantasy scoring per game this season on this slate. Because like you said, Lamar and Deshaun not on this slate. So um, after that, you're down in like the Matt Ryan neighborhood where it's... He's scoring 16% fewer fantasy points per game than those above guys. And he's got a good matchup-ish against Tampa Bay, but is that really where you want to hang your hat? So, yeah, I think the matchup for Wilson is imperfect for sure. And, like, in in most normal weeks, I would certainly be looking around and trying to find something else. But I think he's kind of a poor man's Lamar Jackson. Well, he's, he's a rich man's passer uh, compared to Lamar Jackson and a poor man's version of the running Unfortunately, for some reason, you get more points for running than you do for passing uh, as a quarterback. And so, yeah, I think he brings enough floor to the table, and especially compared with these other options, uh, that I, I'd much rather take him in a tough matchup with Philly than like some random pocket passer in a game where they could just hand the ball, hand the reins over to the running back, like Matt Ryan did last week. I mean, Matt Ryan, if he's your alternative against Tampa Bay, last three weeks, each of them would be, you know, right there with or the worst week of Wilson's season. So. Yeah, I think uh, all signs point to it. I, um, it's less about the credit of Wilson and how good of a play this is and more about how bad the rest of the plays are. Yeah, and that's it. Like, Philly's a good defense, so it, it's, you're not getting an ideal matchup. They're a top 10 DVOA defense. It's just that he just in his own tier. But you don't. But New England's so good, like you said with Dak. They, that's just they're, – they're a whole other tier easily above the Eagles in terms of defense. They're so good. They're just, like, really in a tier of their own on defense this year. So I think that's really what you're looking for there. And then Wilson – He's so damn efficient. 23 touchdowns to two interceptions. Easily the best. Easily the most touchdowns for the least amount of touchdowns per pass attempt. Well, he 
has the most touchdowns in general, but he's also killing killing the other guys just in terms of how how few pass attempts has taken him. Really, only Kirk Cousins is the only guy that's even close. The, um, the rest of these guys are, are pretty far away. Uh, he runs enough, 256 yards on the ground this season. That's ranked some of the top six, uh, not top five, so you'll, you'll take it. Uh, and all, all in all, I think you're just getting so much safety from the from the rest of his game. Thoughts on the other guys? Like I mentioned, Lockett, Chris Carson's a guy. Um, still seeing crazy volume. But then we'll get over to the Eagles and then move on from this game. Yeah, Chris Carson I wrote up at running back, and it was pretty similar to my take on Wilson, which is that it's not a play that I'm enamored with necessarily, grabbing him against Philly, but uh, we've seen in, in reasonable game scripts the plan is just to feed him the ball between 20 and 29 times a game. And in terms of just sheer just uh, times touching the ball, in the last seven weeks, he's been very, very rock solid. I mean, the fewest touches he's had in the last seven weeks was 19 touches against Tampa Bay. And he kind of cannibalized his own touches just by being really good on those touches in that game. So I think the floor is there for Carson. Again, it's a tough matchup, but I'm still sitting here wondering who you want to play if he's not at least in your top four. Because as we go through things and we go team by team, you're going to hear us say a lot of times, well, I don't know, this guy is not that good, or this situation is totally unknown, or this team is terrible, or they're nine-point underdogs, or whatever. And uh, at some point, you just run out of teams, right? Like, we still have buys this week. Uh, there's only, what is it, a nine-game? Yeah, nine-game main slate, and at some point, or ten-game main slate, and at some point, yeah, you just don't have the high-priced, safe guys. And I think while we're still living in a world where the highest floor cheap plays are at wide receiver, we're going to need some reasonably expensive running backs, and Carson is in that group for me. Yep. Uh, I'm, the wide receiver situation in Seattle doesn't excite me that much. We've been off the chalk at times yeah. with those guys. I, I'm, I'm fine being there again. There's just uh, They just don't really throw in volume enough, and um, I just don't think you need to do it, especially getting Josh Gordon there. It doesn't really help the situation. On the Eagles side, you already mentioned Ertz. Uh, we're going to have to wait on the Alshon Jeffrey news, I think, to know how bullish we are there. Look, it's hard to take what they did last week um, in terms of production to heart because, or to heart, as, as the, the reality for the Eagles because they were going up against that Patriots defense. Yeah. But this is an injury situation I really want to monitor because I'd, I'd be interested again in Miles Sanders going up in this game um, if Jordan Howard was out again. I know they brought JJ in, and I know they still have Boston Scott. Miles Sanders got 64 of the 75 offensive snaps against the Patriots. He was just the guy. He just got he went up against like a borderline historic defense, and that was the problem. Touched the ball 15 times in a game that they struggled to do anything with. So if everyone was out again, and by everyone I mean Alshon and Jordan Howard, thoughts, mm-hmm. on, thoughts on Miles Sanders. His price really didn't move that much because the ownership was low and – um, he just didn't really do much, but this is just a, such a such a better situation. He's, he's only fifty six hundred on Fanduel. Uh, I had it in front of me, and I don't have it now. And he is yeah five thousand on DraftKings. Thoughts on Sanders? If they if the Eagles walked into the same situation as last week, I don't think I'd be very excited to play Sanders. I know he had the vast lion's share of the snaps. When you just look at the like how many snaps he was out there for, uh, some of those snaps Ajay and Scott were out there for as well, and those guys. Uh, tallied let's see 16 total touches between them they weren't especially effective Uh, Boston Scott was actually the most effective runner over the course of the day and the Eagles have been so hesitant to hand the reins to Sanders overall that I don't know like it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like it's a sure thing or anything it's like it reminds me more of the Brian Hill situation from last week uh, than what I thought it was going to be which I really thought you know as a Miles Sanders season long owner like this was my big moment that he was finally going to step in and justify you know that mid-round pick It just hasn't quite happened for him. And I know at times he's been much better on a per-touch basis, and he has a few explosive runs this year, but he's got a lot of games on his game log. Nine carries for 15 yards, 10 carries for 28 yards, 11 carries for 25 yards that I'm at least concerned because I know that that has to be in the Eagles' institutional memory at this point, that sometimes we've given the guy's this guy the ball 10 plus times a game and oftentimes he's let us down so I don't think I would just want to plug and play him in cash by any means I still think he's an interesting big tournament play but I don't think he's shown it to us just yet all right third game that just happened to go in this order and it just I think ends up being one of the top three most in uh just games that we're going to want to really target and eh, like a Saints game too. target for cash games here is Cleveland faces Miami they're 11-point home favorites with an over-under of 44.5, meaning the implied total for Cleveland right now is coming at 27.75. Cleveland has been, uh, at times, a total disaster this year and at times competent and really not much more than that. But 
I think they're going to get a lot of cash game ownership. And I think there's a strong case that they've just been compl- – the schedule guys did them sort of dirty in a way that they didn't really know was going to happen. So listen to the teams they play this year. This is their schedule uh, that they've just had to have to run through. They played New England, first in DVOA and defense. They played San Francisco, second in DVOA. They played Pittsburgh, third in DVOA. They played the Rams, fourth in DVOA. They played Denver, sixth in DVOA. Uh, and they played Buffalo, 13th, Baltimore, 14th, and Seattle, 22nd. That is easily, in terms of opposing defenses, the hardest schedule in the NFL. Uh, the, like I said, they played the top four. Right away, they, just played, they played five of the top six de- defensive DVOA <laughs> teams. <pretty> <laughs> um, and they've only played one team that ranks in the bottom half so far this year in terms of defense. Now they get the worst team. Is there a case that they've had such a bad way on, the, uh, on, on their opponents that we actually don't have a great sense of what their season looks like because they've had – you know, is that what I'm saying? Like this is, I, when I looked down this sure. list, I was like, holy cow. Like – Maybe we should just stack all the Browns here. They've just run such a gauntlet in terms of the defenses that people didn't even – like, no one knew the Patriots were going to be this good. Like, no one looked at the Browns' schedule and knew the Patriots were going to be this defense or the San Francisco was going to be this defense. They, you know, they thought they'd be improved. Thoughts here on just maybe stacking the Browns, Chubb, Baker. Like, I think Baker's going to get a lot of ownership in cash. Um, Odell, like, all their prices are down, basically, because of, the, because of the, the gauntlet they've had to run. Give me your thoughts here on the Browns. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> – I am not excited about stacking a bunch of Browns. Uh, I think that that's my initial impression here. I think, especially guys like Baker Mayfield, like man, I, that's just not a name I would ever hope to see in my cash game lineups. Uh, it is worth noting that basically everybody's best game of the week or best game of the season was that Seattle game, uh, where you know Chubb I think had yep. twenty six fantasy points. Uh, Beckham had hundred yards receiving. I think that was the only time all season. Our second, he had two of them, and one was against uh, the Jets. I don't know if you read the Jets matchup or not, um, but yeah, I mean they they did have some better matchups early in the season. But yeah, that, that's the recent gauntlet, I guess, is what you're you're spelling out. So Jets eleventh, by the way. So I I, I did not read yeah, them. Yeah, so yeah. they're still they're just you know right Tennessee on the outside. was the other one. Yeah. So yeah. So the I think I always think this is a weird a weird thing to do this late in the season. Because on one hand, I'm totally with you. And again, if I'm back in other sports, if a baseball team had gone up against, you know, Strasburg and Verlander and Kershaw and like had gone that sort of gauntlet and then they had like one game against a bad pitcher and then three more games against great pitchers, of course we would look and be like, dude, who cares if this guy's batting 200, you know? And so my logical brain's right there with you. The only issue I have with the Browns in particular here is that we don't exactly have a baseline for what they would have been otherwise. And if they had this offense and were awesome last year and then had this terrible you know, defensive schedule run, then I, I think I would be a little bit more confident in it. But given that we just still, you know, you can only put up stats against the teams that have been put in front of you and they just haven't put them up against the teams that have been put in front of them. So I guess in order of confidence for this game, it would be Chubb as a clear number one guy. Uh, I wrote Chubb up for our cash game article. I do have a, a little bit of concerns that Kareem Hunt is eating into his usage, which is kind of a weird thing to say after he gets 27 carries in a game against Pittsburgh. Um, but I do. I am at least a little bit concerned because you know Hunt is in there really touching the ball a lot. I think Hunt had uh, yeah 14 total plays drawn up for him last week, so that's a lot. And if you know it's really going to be two thirds Chubb's way and one third Hunt's way. Uh, that's going to be problematic for his overall production, although I think in a Miami game it should still be there. Uh, the Baker and Odell thing feels a lot less – I'm a lot less confident in it. I would say Odell's the next guy. He's had two straight weeks with double-digit targets. Didn't do anything with him, so here we are. This has been Odell Beckham's season. Uh, and then Baker in a distant third. And I would really not want to play him because I think the other thing is that Cleveland has shown in those precious games where they are winning, they're happy to turn away from Baker in a heartbeat. So – uh, yeah, that's that's my order. Chubb, Beckham, Baker. So Beckham, the, the, what you love here is he's seven thousand, right? He's like he's dropped all the way down. They finally yeah, he's like Calvin Ridley's price exactly. Um, so like so I can listen to that. So right, that's where you're. That's where you're really considering him. I think you're going to see a lot of Chubb ownership. I totally hear what you're saying about Kareem Hunt. They have shared the field a lot this year. The Kareem Hunt's run a lot of game, a lot of sets as a as a wide as a wide receiver. Um, he it's funny actually. Right now, our FanDuel lineups have uh, our top lineup has Chubb. Beckham and Kareem Hunt, all three. So enjoy that. I don't know if it's going to stay. And I, by the way, I don't have Kareem Hunt for a ton of opportunity here. It's like five carries and six targets or something like that. He's been seeing a ton of targets. It's going to be an interesting thing. I do think there's going to be a lot of ownership. The case for Baker, you know, 
on DraftKings as you get a $900 savings uh, from him to Wil- from Wilson down to him. I don't think it's probably ultimately worth it, and I do think a lot of people will talk themselves into it. And I, I, I'm having such a hard time mathematically evaluating, not, you know, not looking at the list and being like, oh, hey, they played a lot of hard defenses. I'm having a hard time mathematically evaluating what that means for his overall season, right? Because this is just such a crazy thing to be talking about in week 12 that he just has played 11 really, really good defenses, basically, when you just compare him to the rest of the field. And now he just gets the absolute worst one. So this is one we'll talk about going into Sunday, I think, the most. And, um, yeah, you can go and jump in the members-only chat and figure that out. Before we get to the rest of these games, talk to you about a sponsor, Vivid Seats. You gotta download the Vivid Seats app. If you want to go to the game, hey, if you want to go go watch the Cleveland game this week. Uh, although it's probably tough to get tickets to the Dog Pound, even though they're they're still they're still fighting for a chance in the playoffs right now. Uh, although they're probably not gonna make it, that a win this week will help. Vivid Seats app. You use the promo code Overtime O V E R T I M E. It's gonna automatically enroll you to their rewards program. It's also gonna give you up to hundred dollars off on your first ticket purchase. You download the app. You click on the seat you want to see. It's gonna show you exactly what you're going to the view of the stadium or the court that you're going to from the seat that you want to purchase it's going to show you exactly what the view looks like so you you're not there's no unknowns with the vivid seats app you know exactly what you're getting short of just uh, whoever's you know standing in front of you trying to order a beer or whatever uh vivid seats app gives you all that you got to use the promo code overtime o-v-e-r-t-i-m-e and you're good to go best seating app around vivid seats go check them out all right, let's keep rolling through these games. They get a lot, not a lot less interesting as we go, uh, but they do, they get degrees of less interesting. These ones, the first ones we talked about, I think. Oh, by the way, any, any interest in anyone's in the Dolphins? I didn't even mention that. Devontae Parker, uh, like I, Brown's defense has been, uh, I guess, has been what it is. Uh, any final thoughts here on the Dolphins? I realize I skipped over them, but Devontae Parker's a guy that every once in a while creeps around just because the price never really moves and the targets are kind of there. I don't know. Thoughts on Miami? And I love Devontae Parker. He's right. great. Yeah. <laughs> 10 targets back to back weeks. Uh, turned that last week into seven catches for 135 yards. The very, very solid, cheap option here uh, going up against the Browns in a game where, you know, as usual, Miami should be playing catch-up. I think it's worth noting that, um, you know, the quarterback play with Fitzpatrick, it's not been fantastic, but there have been flashes. And, you know, it's at least at least it looks like there's an NFL guy there now under center. In the last five games, uh, he has been less than horrible, which is... You know, again, a big step up for what the Dolphins have seen from time to time. So, all right, uh, excuse me. Yeah, Giants go and play in Chicago. The Bears. Bears are six-point home favorites here. Giants are coming off the bye week. The Bears are coming off uh, a loss to the Rams, in which Trubisky just looks bad again. Uh, Twenty-four for forty-three for one hundred ninety yards. Now the Rams are a good defense, so I guess you can let them off the hook. The guy also is not very good himself, so I'm not really sure uh, what, what to make of him. And as he, This guy is just like the poster boy for what do you make of this guy because people just cannot figure out if they think he's ever going to be good or if just what, whatever. So interesting. Trubisky, I have an idea. He's terrible. Is that, <laughs> is that a good place I think to there's like, there's The guy like, has nine, nine touchdown passes this season. <laughs> nine. That's so bad. Yeah, fair enough. He's got he, – he can't he, – he was peaking against the Rams when he threw for 190 yards. That was the most he had thrown for in the previous three weeks. So I don't – Jeez, yeah. No, I, I think the jury has pretty much come back on Trubisky, and uh, they found him wanting here. So, I think, and that's the case for this game for me in general, right? We're not going to spend too much time on these two terrible offenses. The Giants, maybe they have some guys who have shown flashes, and you know, good, actual good players like Saquon Barkley. But going up against this Bears defense doesn't seem like the spot to make that play. And the Bears offense, like <laughs> uh, we already talked about the passing game, uh, but it's a pretty much a pure timeshare between David Montgomery and Tarek Cohen right now too. So. I don't. I mean, I guess some people might talk themselves into Tarek Cohen. He's all the. He, he looks very much like Kareem Hunt does to me, but I don't see feeling, feeling excited about that in cash. See, I thought people would probably talk themselves into David Montgomery as like the home six point favorite. I don't want to do it. We've been down this road before. This guy can get game scripted right out of things, and I just don't. I'm I'm over, basically want to be over running backs like this that are coming anything but free. So David Montgomery is not. I, we've just been down the road. It just doesn't. See, he's got one good game on the season. Can he run for more than three yards a carry before I play him in my cash games? Like, last three weeks, he's averaging less than three yards a carry. That's not where I want to be. Doug at 6,600. No thanks. Speaking of a guy that we've been a week early on and then late on, I'm just going to be I'm going to be multiple weeks late on Saquon Barkley going forward. Barkley, in the week before the, before the bye, was a guy that we actually ran out there a little bit in cash that week, he finished with 13 rush attempts for one yard. So 
1,300 carries. How many? 1,300 carries would have taken him to get 100 yards in that game? The way he was kind of grounded and pounded. It was just. 1,300? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, he just. It was just. He looked horrible. I don't know. He they didn't say he was hurt. I he's been two weeks. There's really not been any injury news. I, I how a guy like him carries this for is this ineffective is really just beyond me. But at this point, I know the Giants line is the Giants offensive line was missing two guys and like there and I get the line is just terrible. So that's probably just the problem. Uh, I think that Saquon Barkley, you need to. It's gonna probably be the end of the season probably before you end up seeing another good game from him, right? Like I like you can't. I, not against the Bears defense, but like, I, like you know what I mean? Like, are we just done with this? Even if we gave him like 16, 17 targets or 17 uh, touches in terms of opportunity, we, we're kind of just tapping. Well, he, he came back from the high ankle sprain way earlier than most people thought, and he has not been able to do anything in the trenches ever since. Now, he's had two weeks off, so maybe, you know, I think you and I have both dealt with lingering an- ankle injuries. You know, that we know that this sometimes you can be you can be available, but less than 100%, and that's when I really suspect is going on with Barkley, like for all the reports of, yeah, he looks the same. It's a little different when you're trying to plow down a 250-pound linebacker, right? So As opposed think, to what like you're doing, like mowing your lawn? Like what, what were you <laughs> – I do like – Going how, up and down the stairs. <laughs> that's, that's hell on my ankle. Dude. You, don't, you don't know what it's like to be – picking my kids up. Uh, these kids are packing on pounds. Most, mostly dense I just, muscle. Weight, so. I was wondering if you are going to come back around to that we both dealt with ankle issues yeah. and now we're kind of – We're human beings. We can put ourselves in the Saquon Barkley. We're, we're, we're the same species as these people that have taken the field for the NFL. And the ankle – it's a it's a funny funny little joint there. Picking up that chub pack, picking up that chub pack of water at the at the grocery store, you know, or just yeah, or just trying to break a run outside. Yeah, kind of. The same. Do you have any other like little bits you want to do <laughs> regarding this, or should we move forward with the rest of the podcast? That's <laughs> that's great. All right, uh, Evan, you're feeling good. Evan. Okay, good. Yeah, so but no, we're not going to play Barkley. I don't think you're going to touch uh, anyone in the passing game. Everett Ingram currently questionable. He's been like the one saving DFS grace for the Giants. I think it's sixty four hundred. You don't need to take that risk either. So, unfortunately, yeah, this game, we spent a lot of time on a game that's pretty much a total skip. So, we should probably move on. Darius Slayton did have 14 targets the game two weeks ago when everyone was out. So, if you think you get, if you think you can try to catch lightning in a bottle there, again, go for it. Uh, I don't think that'd be a road I would go down. Panthers going to play the Saints. Saints are eight and a half point home favorites. Uh, Michael Thomas is still, he caught a touchdown last week. He was pretty chalky in cash on both sites. Not overwhelming. The price is getting up there, and you can't roster some of these other running backs. Where do we put Michael Thomas um, still with the group of sort of must-haves for cash? I saw that you wrote up Kamara, so I want to hear the case there. And then let's talk about McCaffrey, too, eight-and-a-half-point underdogs. I'm not sure it matters for him. Um, Where do we land on this game in terms of playing guys? Oh, DJ Moore, too. I I mean, the sites, one of the prices is going to change. I'll do a DJ Moore thing in a second. Talk to me about everybody else. Talk to me about everybody else that I mentioned first. Okay, great. So you want me to address four players. Let's see how I do. Uh, Michael Thomas, still great. Um, Absolutely just phenomenal record-setting pace. You've heard it all already. Uh, I would love to have him in my cash game lineups. And I recognize that, unfortunately, just the way the prices have shaken out this year, for just some reason, I don't know, I, I never know. I would love to know what's going on under the hood sometimes in the FanDuel pricing algorithms because I just don't get why he has to be super expensive at a position where other really good players are like 6000 But then if I go over to running back and I want to pay $6,400 for a player, then I have to play like you know, David Montgomery or <laughs> Kareem Hunt or something like that. But a wide receiver, I can get DJ more. Like, that's just going to mean that we don't wind up prioritizing paying up a wide receiver. And that's just how it's probably going to shake out once again. Although I would absolutely love to play him. Uh, yeah, so I wrote Kamara up for cash. I think, and I was very curious to get your thoughts on this. Obviously, we are going to be weighting receptions much higher on DraftKings than on FanDuel. But last week against Tampa Bay, Kamara touched the ball thir- 23 total times. Um, he turns that into 122 yards from scrimmage. And importantly, the second straight week where he had 10 targets in the passing game. The case to be bearish on Kamara is that he's got back-to-back games here against two of the worst passing defenses in the league in Atlanta and Tampa Bay. And going from those matchups to Carolina is going to be a pretty jarring one. You know, Carolina, a much worse matchup uh, than either of those two in the passing game. But it just kind of seems to me at 8,300, he is very fairly priced. He's such a prominent feature in the passing game that he's getting close to being worth it just on the targets alone. And any of the running just kind of seems like extra upside that's built in. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe he winds up not making the cut when we've shaken it all out. 
But what are your thoughts on Kamara here? Yeah, I think he makes the cut. I think that the I think what you get like what you said that the passing seems so set, and then the rush is like the bonus piece. I know that's like a weird way to look at it for a running back that, and he was really effective on the ground last week too, seventy-five yards and only thirteen touches. And Latavius Murray notably was very not effective, on which the makes sense, right? Like he's run the ball a lot more than he was going thought they, that he was used to doing this year, right? He's run the ball a lot this season, and he was not really he did. He didn't come in to be an every down back and just had to be when Kamara was hurt. And Kamara was hurt and now is just looking healthy. Like they're fresh, they're off the bye weeks. And he just is, yeah. I think he's just healthy again in a way that he really hadn't been uh, earlier in the season when they were struggling. Breeze is back. The offense looked like it was kind of rolling again. I know they had some struggles with Atlanta. Now I think Kamara is pretty much a lock here for cash. I would love to find a way to lock just to stack Kamara and Thomas. I get that the, at some point the pricing is not going to really allow that to happen. I think Kamara, right now he's in 100% of our lineups. I think that our opportunity on him is correct, if not low. Um, I think that I think what we have for him in terms of overall projected usage is almost for sure, I mean, definitely lower than what he had last week. Um, there's no way. Yeah, if I'm 12 and 8 right now. That's I think that's pretty fair. And that has him as easily a locked-in cash game play. And that's, that's less than his median um, rushes and right around his median and average targets. So uh, I think Kamara's a lock. Thomas is going to be close, and I think that's kind of where I land. I'm wondering your thoughts on what, where, where you land with McCaffrey here because McCaffrey, Kyle Allen sucked last week, and McCaffrey still was awesome and just couldn't get into the end zone. They just kept turning the ball over in the red zone. It was just terrible. Uh, terrible terrible to watch, and he still basically kind of hit value on these prices. And yeah. Kyle Allen was as bad as can be. It just doesn't matter the game script, dude. Like, they're losing. He touched the ball 28 times, 14 targets, 14 rushes. Um, <laughs> and, and I, again, I, you can maybe make a case and say he ran bad on the touchdowns because they were getting down there and they just could not get in. Like they yeah, it's, t- it's tough to put 191 yards up from scrimmage and have not any of those be that last yard that crosses into that's the what I, That's what I mean. Like, I just, like, yeah. it, it, it's crazy. And the price is still up over 10,000. The Saints are a good defense. I know their team total is low. It's low a lot. The offense is not very good, and this guy's still – He's, he's you know, talk about record-setting pace. He's still on pace to, to top Chris Johnson here, too. There's two guys, he and Thomas, that could break the all-time records here. Do we still need to prioritize him? Because this is, again, this is the weekly theme. For, for many weeks, we were like, you can't do anything in, in cash unless it starts with McCaffrey. Then we've kind of wavered back and forth, and we got there last week with him. But what are your thoughts here going to this week? Uh, our system is not saying this is the week, and I, yet I still just get worried because I feel like we're still not totally understanding just the, the raw usage that this guy gets. Yeah, McCaffrey was about 33% owned in cash last week, and I suspect he'll probably clock in somewhere around that again this week because it really starts to become an expense at some point when you have to pay uh, $2,000 more for him than any other running back. He's been worth every penny of that so far this season, but you know, when you're, especially when you're building your cash game lineups, there does come a point where getting the extra floor on McCaffrey comes at too great a cost. Now, why we've been highly subsidized at our wide receiver position so far this season uh, with just many weeks. Like last week, we had just an embarrassment of riches, right? We had John Brown. He was at 6,000. We had Ridley at sub-6,000. We had DJ Moore uh, right around 6,000. We had Mohamed Sanu, rest in peace, didn't wind up working Mm -hmm. out, but he was super cheap. And so I think that really facilitated us playing McCaffrey once again, and we were happy with his production. This week, uh, Ridley's price has jumped by 1,000. Uh, John Brown's price has come up by 500. Uh, DJ Moore's price, I can't remember what it was last week, but it's ticked up slightly as well. And uh, Devontae Parker, he's the other one. His, his price has come up 300. And so, yeah, at this point, you got to look at these guys and say, you know, like, that's, that, that is the $2,000, right, <laughs> that you were saving at those wide receiver guys. Not that those guys are more fairly priced. I just don't know if McCaffrey winds up making the cut. So, like Thomas, would love to have him on my lineups. I mean, that's a name that I feel very good about seeing out there. And if it doesn't get there, then I don't think I can jam him in. DJ Moore's price is still an absolute and total joke. Uh, over the last eight weeks, he is the top three most targeted receiver in football. And he's been like good and efficient with the targets. It's not like he's a uh, out in Tate or something like that, you know, right? Where he gets a lot of targets and just nothing, <laughs> nothing comes close to getting caught. Right. Like this is a guy who also catches a ton of balls too. Ha- uh, been one of the highest red zone targeted guys too. Just hasn't caught. Yeah, a he's touchdown. just running terrible on touchdowns. That, that's gonna come. Yeah, but the price is is a joke. He was like an eighty percent start last week. He'll probably go up again. Uh, the price is mm. it's a joke. I don't really know another way to put it. The Fanduel price is especially a joke. Uh, the DraftKings price is only a moderate joke. Uh, there's just so there's um, they're both 6400, but the 6400 looks better on Fanduel. So anyway, just play DJ Morgan. No, 
same same case that we said for the last four weeks in a row. It's just uh, the guy's just among the best targeted wide receivers in football, and for some reason, the touchdowns or whatever else, the sites do not want to price them like that. All right, let's keep rolling. Denver goes in and plays Buffalo. This game has a 37.5 total, so kind of going the opposite of what we talked about before. Uh, Buffalo right now is four-point home favorites. I wanted to talk myself into Devin Singletary last week uh, in turn for cash over Brian Hill. He was better than Brian Hill, not by much. Um, <laughs> so Damning had, with faint praise. Yeah. yeah, he had 79 total yards on 16 touches. I don't want to go do it again, so I think I'm done talking myself out of it. Or I'm, I'm talking myself out of it. Still is out snapping Frank Gore by a ton, 53-19. Uh, it's just not totally getting it done. Uh, and you made a great point about Josh Allen siphoning off a lot of those rushing touchdowns. He did it once again. Uh, he ran for 56 yards and a touchdown. You love John Brown going into last week, too. He really performed. Uh, give me your thoughts on this game. Any you, you want to go back down to John Brown? He was a target, absolute target monster last week. Yeah, back-to-back weeks now, 25 targets over the last two weeks. Um, some of the conversion issues are going to be there just because of his quarterback, but uh, turn that into 14 catches for 214 yards. That is a lot of production out of a $6,500 wide receiver. I think he's, you know, like DJ Moore, not exa- not a perfect comp there, but like DJ Moore, I think his price is just a result of his legacy price to start the season and not um, based on the reality of what he's been, especially recently. And, you know, sometimes with young receivers and young quarterbacks, more opportunity avails itself as the season goes along. So even things like, like, I think this is what happens with Moore too. This, a big part of the algorithm just has to be total production over the course of the year. And I think they're more hesitant to change prices later in the year. And, you know, unless there's some incredible ownership boon or something. Uh, so, yeah, Brown's still on that list of guys that I would play. Um, I don't want, I wouldn't want to play Singletary. I still think he's an interesting big tournament play, though. He was very good on a per-touch basis. And it was really the two fumbles that I think dug into both his overall fantasy score and the willingness of the coaches to leave him out there. So... I still think there are some big upside games there, but yeah, not not for cash. I don't think. If you think John Brown is a ten target, a true ten target kind of guy, then he's going to be in cash games on Fanduel. He's just going to be depending where you want to land with him, right? Because like he's be he's yeah, he kind of he'll land in that DJ Moore kind of mispriced sixty four hundred sixty five hundred crew, and I think I'd be okay with that one. I think based on the big week, you will see some ownership on him. We'll have to always check the weather in Buffalo this time of year because it can get a little weird. Uh, Denver, they looked feisty at times last week. Uh, Phil Lindsay did get a lot more of the running back touches than he had as compared to Royce Freeman. He had out, he outcarried him 16 to 8 and 52 to 24. That is a pretty stark difference from what they've done in the past. Uh, this is still just not the matchup you want to target him in. And then uh, Cortland Sutton, I believe, was he the, oh, no, no, excuse me, Noah Fan had 11 targets, only turned him into four for 60. It was Sutton who went uh, five for 113. So interesting guys on Denver. I just don't think this is the spot you want to do it in Buffalo. Uh, Detroit goes in and plays Washington. Detroit is three and a half point road favorites. This signals to me that Matthew Stafford is going to make a return this week. I think the Redskins are bad, but uh, the Jeff Driscoll, Bo Scarborough uh, parade isn't usually going to be a road favorite against the Redskins no matter how bad they are so I think this signals to Stafford it's going to be back this week uh we've how many times we talked about just Detroit running backs and never knowing what to do last week it was Bo Scarborough yeah okay so if you've heard if you knew that name if you knew that name before uh last week congrats he carried the ball 14 times for 55 yards no targets he had only half the snaps JD McKissick uh was in there for some of the passing down stuff what are your thoughts here on going back down to like Assuming Stafford's back, I'll double check the note real quick. But assuming Stafford's back, you know, do we want to just get Kenny Galladay back going, fired up here? Guys like Marvin Jones have seen ownership before. The Redskins are bad. Um, this is a road game. Thoughts here on Detroit? Yeah, the note, last note I heard on Stafford was that he's technically listed as week to week, but people are not envisioning him returning this week. So you know, the Vegas Vegas often knows more than we do, and. They, you know, man, would they be favorites over here with Jeff Driscoll? Jeez, okay, maybe I'm Well, Jeff Driscoll, the thing about Driscoll, I mean, he's not great, but he wasn't bad last week against Dallas. Like, he went 15-26 for 209, two touchdowns, ran for 51 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Like, that's – what were you getting out of Matthew Stafford that you didn't get out of that game from Driscoll? It's not, not pretty necessarily, and I get that Stafford has put up some big yardage totals, but it's not like – I don't know, Stafford's not – greatest quarterback in the world or anything he's certainly better for fantasy purposes but um i thought something washington is just terrible right like isn't it more how could you not be favored against washington regardless of the home field i think that's washington's one and nine this season <laughs> like they're a terrible team i don't think being a three-point favorite 
or three and a half point favorite in their stadiums, really. Like, I feel like, isn't it worse for Washington to be at home, too? Aren't they just going to be getting booed off the field? And I don't know. Dwayne, I don't know. Dwayne Haskins looked absolutely horrendous. I, I, I don't think we need this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't think we need to read. I don't think the Vegas line tells us anything about Stafford's status, I guess is my, my final point there. Um, this game, is this anything other than a total skip fantasy-wise? I mean... No, it's there's a skip. just no good, it's no skip. good players, and if, especially if Detroit's not going to have their quarterback, you can't play any guys in this game. Raiders go in and play the Jets. Raiders are three point road favorites here against New York. That coming off a week where we saw uh, Jacobs see a decent amount of cash game ownership, it made sense. Uh, he was in a good matchup at home, and they uh, stood to just really ground and pound, and they did. He carried the ball 23 times, three targets for the passing game. Jets do offer uh, a better defense here. The offense that you know has gone through fits and starts. What are your thoughts here on Oakland going into face in New York? Yeah, I like Jacobs. I think he's the guy that you can consider from this game. Again, running back is is pretty thin, and so if he winds up in your lineups, then I wouldn't wouldn't yell, yell at you for it. I think some people will have a tough call between him and Chubb. I think your case about. The Browns' schedule probably has me leaning Chubb there, but I can see people talking themselves into Jacobs because from an opportunity perspective, uh, he's really been there with the top guys this season, and he's still uh, pretty affordable. And I think many people just don't view the Jets probably as quite a tough a defense as they actually are. Uh, that being said, I still expect that the game script will favor Oakland here and that Jacobs will still have plenty of touches to get his, his job done. Uh, Oakland has not featured any playable options in the passing game this season outside of Darren Waller. And Waller, for as good as he was early in the season, really hasn't done much in the last four weeks. I mean, you know, I think his best fantasy game was last week where he had five receptions for 78 yards. Like, okay, that's that's fine. I mean, that, it gets you on the list for tight end, but I don't know if it gets you through the door this week uh, when you have Ertz the same price and just much more consistent opportunity recently. So the Oakland side, I am not really seeing it right now. Le'Veon Bell is That's still getting touches. Um, he did. I will say Bilal Powell is cutting into the snap count. 39 snaps for Bell last week, 16 for Powell. Bell touched the ball 18 for 59. He did get into the end zone two targets for the past game. I think they're just taking their foot off the gas with him a little bit like they should because the season is essentially over. So um, I'm not sure how much of a playable option he is going forward and probably not in this game either. Though famous last words, if he catches, you know, 20 touches is still 20 touches. That means something. It's just 20 touches on the Jet, the Jets offense is not going to mean the same for a lot of other offenses. Steelers going to play the Bengals. Steelers are six-and-a-half-point road favorites. There's a lot of injury stuff here. James Conner is not unclear if he's going to play this week. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, I will almost say he's not going to play. He's in the concussion protocol, and I would be shocked after seeing the hit that if he's going to be if he's going to mm-hmm. be um, cleared to play this week. There's still six and a half point favorites against a Bengals team that's really bad. Like, what do we want to do here? If Conner was out, I don't think we've ever seen enough of the Jalen Samuels. His price is way up too, so I don't think that we would need to go yeah, there. He's like seven thousand. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's like you might or you you'd be playing Connor at that price if you really wanted to play someone in this game. But, but like, there's yeah. still a decent amount of points. The Bengals are really bad, um, and I just don't know if we can make enough. Like, so so the names Johnny Holton saw seven targets last week. This is for the Steelers. Um, one catch for 18 yards. Vance McDonald saw seven targets. Then it was Jalen Samuels with six. This is after this is after Juju got hurt. And then James Washington five. Tevin Jones, four. Like, there's a lot, a lot of no-name guys. I guess the reason I'm, th- I'm saying this, though, is because if they were without Connor and Juju, going against, you know, with, a, I guess, a somewhat competent quarterback in Mason Rudolph, who's not going to get suspended mm-hmm. after the Miles Garrett thing. They're giving Mason Rudolph the, the competent tag after a four-interception week. I'm, I'm delighted. Yeah, that's, that was probably wrong. That's high praise. Yeah, maybe he's not competent. I, <laughs> I saw a hilarious thing. It was, uh, it was after the Miles Garrett uh, fight with Mason Rudolph with the helmet and everything uh, that – that when they didn't suspend, they, they it was something to the line of the league handed down the worst punishment that they could give the Steelers by not suspending Mason Rudolph. So, like, they just uh, <laughs> said that he could continue to go back out there. Um, but thoughts here, because they bang, I'm mostly just bring it up here because the Bengals are so bad on defense. We just need to play wait and see, or, or is even waiting and seeing not going to do it because we're just, it's going to be too many no names and just a, and a, you know, a substandard quarterback. And then we'll just talk real quick about Joe Mixon. I want my Steelers to sign Colin Kaepernick. That's what I'm. That's what I'm secretly holding out for here. I think the Mason Rudolph era is hopefully coming to a close sometime soon. The Steelers have been terrible on offense this year. <laughs> like they've scored, uh, let's see, fewer points than the Giants from scrimmage. They've scored fewer points than Atlanta. They're just a, a bad offense. So missing their top guys, you're like, ooh, it's going to open up all this opportunity. What kind of opportunity to catch passes from Mason Rudolph? Cool. Like that's that's going to be a, a huge opportunity for you. And I hope you really make the most of it. I don't think it's 
you know, and maybe I'll be singing a different tune as we get closer to game day when I'm really looking at some of these options here and breaking it down a little bit further. But right now, I'm just not totally seeing it. Um, Vance McDonald has gotten seven targets a week the last three weeks, done absolutely nothing with those targets. So I don't know. Um, Samuels is a guy, you know, we have played him in the past. We know that the, the targets have just continued to be there. I mean, 13, 7, and 6 targets in the last three weeks, but we also know that they just don't see him as a three-down back either. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a great matchup, and it's always weird to just walk away from a potential game script like this when you got Cincinnati on the docket on a main slate. That that just might have to be the case here. Joe Mixon, 18 more touches and a loss, scored a touchdown, uh, 15 carries for 86 yards, pretty effective on the ground, all, all things considered. <laughs> like, and then caught, caught a pass for 17 yards. Had a good fantasy day. I like if there's gonna three straight weeks. I, yeah. That's what I mean. Like I, this is a bad defense, a bad defensive matchup here against Pittsburgh. But where are we we talked about you know, Mixon as a borderline cash play last week. Just be even just gonna about to get steamrolled by Oakland. He's 6,700 on Fanduel. I, I don't know. Like 6,700 is pretty cheap. This guy, they're just giving him the ball. They don't care if they're winning or losing. And there's a chance, like we said, that this Pittsburgh offense. Is going to be so bad that they might just actually be get to be on the field a few more times. They'll probably just do their own three and outs. But I don't know. Like Joe Mixon, where do we put where do we put him? Because sixty seven hundred looks pretty attractive for a guy who's been effective recently and looks like he's in the full driver's seat for the for the kind of usage that you really want to see out of running back. And I understand that he's playing on this team. So I, what are your thoughts here on Mixon? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> anytime you can grab a running back on a team with a sixteen and a half implied total on the week. You know, you, you got to scoop that up right away. I do think the, the thing about Mixon, and the, the only case for him is that it's just got to be so painful watching Ryan Finley take any snaps uh, that the alternative to just losing more quickly and handing the ball to Mixon, they just can't seem to avoid that siren song. And so that's really the the open and shut, or the, the full story for Mixon is that Finley is just a complete abomination and embarrassment to the game right now. And... I guess that's just so hard to watch that sometimes they're going to consider Mixon. I, I would not feel excited about it, Doug. I mean, grabbing a you know, running back where the game script's going to go against their favor, like all logic points away. But this is one of those fun with numbers things. You know, like in baseball, sometimes a guy has a, a negative uh, a negative ERA or something, or a negative XFIP, right? Where it's like, he should have actually taken runs away from the other <laughs> team by joining the math. It's like, you know, the math just doesn't always line up when... The situation is just this unusual. So I'm just having trouble wrapping my lizard brain around it. I would have to really sit down with the numbers and see if it makes sense. Yeah, that one's uh, it's just it's mostly just interesting. I'm, I'm I'm just like you know morbidly. It is a curious. I'm morbidly case. It's curious. not something I've ever yeah. seen in, in six years doing this full time. I have not seen a case like where a team just loses by 30 points and still gives their running back their their feature running back too. It's not like this is just some random throwaway guy that's not going to be on the team. Like I assume they want to keep building around Mixon and to continue to give him 20 touches a game when they have no chance. It's just mind-boggling. When the NFL sat down and made their schedule, they said, well, i got 11 games. I've got a couple teams, some teams on buys. We're going to have 11 games. They said, okay, let's mm-hmm. set the times. All right, nine 1 o'clock games, two 4 o'clock games. You're like, oh, that, are you sure? Yep, do it. I mean, what on earth are they doing with these schedules? Like, who approves this? Like, they- it's, got, it's the money guys in the back. There, there's just got to be they, – they know something we don't because it's, it's a very obviously worse viewer experience for those of us who like to consume tons of games. But I would guess the average use case for an NFL team is you watch your own team's game, and then if there's a good game on at either one or four, then you watch it. But I would guess that their numbers say – or people are just watching the Red Zone or something. But the Red Zone channel, by the way, is so much worse on a two-game slate. Like sometimes the red well, zone you're just watching the game. Like the, channel has watch- to be in commercial. Yeah. <laughs> so you're just watching the game, like, and there's a good chance like you're now you get more John Henson like fumbling around, like trying to like fill airtime because they're said they both go to commercial. They're God forbid halftime at the same time. I don't know. It's yeah, bad. no, it's it's a rough one. It's a, it's I I agree, but I just have to assume with a league with this much money at stake that it's not just like some intern who forgot to split the I'm game. I'm sure it's not right? that, like, and it's, I still feel like it's like just like an fu. Okay, well one of these games is. Jack- I think part of it too is just the location of the games. That's the, the last point I'll make is that. Um, basically every game is on Eastern time this week with a couple games on Central time uh, during the main slate. And I think at some point they're like, you know, they just believe that team people watching their games at 1 o'clock is better. Well, that's my the 5-5 five five Tennessee Titans going to play the 4-6 and six Jags. That's the first game. Yeah, it's uh, going to be a barn burn. So I just, well, what are your thoughts on this game? We'll get at it. I mean, we'll talk about the Patriots and, and the Cowboys in a second. But uh, thoughts on Tennessee hosting the Jags. Tennessee's three-point home favorites. Anytime I can grab my guy Lenny Fournette 
Uh, it's going to be. I was praying. Television. I because um, you published the article, I was like, <laughs> if there's another picture of Leonard Fournette, I'm going and changing it because I know like, Leonard Fournette was a picture. <laughs> another picture of Leonard Fournette. <laughs> By the way, okay. So for those of you who don't understand how the whole pictures things work, we pay for those pictures, all right? And not it's not cheap either to use real shots. We're like a real business, and yeah, are we going to reuse pictures from time to time? Sure. Like that's just part of being a sort of a mom and pop shop. So those we applied those savings into experts like Chris Durrell, who just won daily overlays uh nascar picker of the year so that's that's where your savings goes for you have to see the extra picture of leonard Fournette. so anyways um but Fournette, yeah i mean it's it's not pretty like the the case for Fournette is a usage-based case not playing this guy in um, cash I, this guy okay fair enough I, let me let me get through the case stop <laughs> stop interrupting me with telling me you're not playing him in cash i get it i don't want to really want to play him in cash either the case for Leonard Fournette, though, you know, there's a good case against him, as there always is. Uh, the case for him is that on a season-long basis, he's averaged paying value, which is not something you can say about very many, um, very many running backs at all. Uh, Marone said going into this week that he has pledged to reestablish Fournette, that he's the one thing about the offense that's going well. He's coming off back-to-back team weeks while where his team's lost by more than 20, 20 or more points. And in those weeks, he still averaged 17 and a half touches a game. So if you figure, like your buddy Nick Chubb over there, uh, that this is the worst possible case for Leonard Fournette. I mean, for a running back for the team that's not insane, like the Bengals, averaging 17 and a half touches a week in weeks where your team lost by an average of 21 and a half points, I think is actually a big credit to Fournette. So I think Fournette is playable in cash games, Doug. How about that? And... May, now, now you're being dead set against him. Makes me want to argue the case even more. So, uh, <laughs> dig your feet in. For net yeah. everywhere, boys. Here he comes. Get ready uh, on I, Sunday. I, See you in the chat. There's worst cases in the world, and I get the usage. There's a few other guys in the league that get his kind of usage. Last week aside, on a week to week basis, and I just I don't have much interest. And again, now that I've said that, uh, you can guarantee that he goes off. Derrick Henry, always good for someone bringing him up in chat, and I say that's not a guy you play in cash, and that he breaks a long run for a touchdown, so you can lock that one up uh, as probably happening. As oh, God, Henry. Yeah, I didn't I didn't even notice this game from last week because he's just to- like totally off my head. Oh, it was, that was, that was, that was, was you're looking, it was two, wasn't it was, amazing. It was two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago, I'm sorry. Two weeks ago. Yeah, it was two weeks ago, but I didn't even notice that. Yeah, yeah he had two, <laughs> 188 yards for two touches. Okay. Yeah, someone wanted to play him in chat because uh, – because Casey bad run defense, which I which I understood, and then of course he just goes buck wild. Okay, final game: Dallas, uh, New England. Dallas is a team that we've in times want to target here. Uh, you know, Michael Gallup was a guy our system really liked going into last week. He pretty much crushed it. I you just really can't run guys into this New England defense. No way about it. Uh, so going into New England, they're six and a half point road favorites. As much as you want to make a case for. You know, this this is a showdown slate to play play some showdown stuff and try to figure out what's going to happen. But from a cash game, even really GPP standpoint, I just don't see anything from this game that I'm interested in except for maybe Julian Edelman. You cannot trust a single thing on the Patriots team, uh, as evidenced by last week, in terms of like their their target distribution. And I just don't think you can run a da- this Dallas team into a like I said a borderline historic defense. Edelman, like I said, do five more ten more targets last week has some conversion troubles. Uh, anything to add to that? Or is that too big of a blanket statement? Or um, you have anything to add to kind of my thoughts on this game? I don't game? think so. I mean, New England this season, there's fun in the old fun with numbers department, 108 points allowed through 10 games. So that's 10.8 points allowed to their opponents. Now, obviously, not all those opponents were created equally. They played like the Dolphins and so on. Um, but the points allowed for them this season, 30% less than uh, also great defense of San Francisco. So, you know, you could divide those... 11 points up however you want to the Cowboys or hey maybe they jump up to 17 points and it's still not going to look pretty you know most of these guys are also just expensive too uh, justifiably so the Dallas offense has been solid Uh, Dak has been quite good as we've talked about many times and it's just not going to come together for cash games this week and like you said even for big tournaments I guess it's a way to get separation I could see an argument for taking Dak as a, a naked quarterback I think that could be pretty interesting um, you know, maybe he spreads the ball out, maybe he punches in a rushing touchdown, but for cash games, it's not even a consideration. All right, we're going to get out of here. Thanks for bearing with us with my travel schedule this week. If you've been listening to both podcasts this week, try to get the cash game plays into the game by game. I think we did okay job. Uh, just to sum those up, that was uh, Wilson, Winston, w- Wilson, then a big drop down to Winston and Baker Mayfield. Uh, running back, we talked about Chubb. 
We talked about Chris Carson, and we talked about Alvin Kamara, and a wide receiver. Michael, and Fournette. And Fournette. Oh, I forgot about Fournette. Uh, Michael, <laughs> and then a wide receiver, Michael Thomas, uh, Calvin Ridley, and John, Calvin Ridley, John Brown, and then I forget the other guy. Oh, DJ Moore, obviously. And then a tight end. We talked about Ertz. And we talked about Greg. We didn't talk about Greg Olson, but Greg Olson is in there as a cash game player. Yeah, we like Olson. And real quick on the defensive note, there are um, some interesting defensive spots. The Eagles, once again, I think. It's not a great matchup with Seattle. But the big question when you're looking at defensive picks from week to week is always, can I afford to pay up for one of the really top defenses? And so this week that would look like, you know, maybe grabbing Cleveland against Miami, uh, Pittsburgh against Cincinnati. I think both of those are good plays. But if you wind up needing the savings, I do think the Eagles... Still at 3200 the same price they were last week. I think that's too cheap. Uh, I think they're a much better defense than that. And even if Seattle's a good offense, I, I think you can you can kind of get away with that. So uh, those are my three defensive places. All right, dailyfantasysportsrankings.com is the site, dfsr.com slash deals. will get you started on a free seven-day trial. Members-only chat, Optimal Lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings. It's all there under one subscription package. And by the way, that's Optimal Lineups for NFL, NBA, and NHL. So go find another site that's going to give you all those under one under one uh, roof, we think we have about as good a deal in the industry, and we think you will too. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com slash deals. We'll get you started. Buddy, enjoy Week 12. See you soon. Peace.